My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Alas Mata, Baj Mukhopadhyay, and Bilal Mamdani. In mid-May of 2019, Health workers with radical politics, as well as other organizers from movements connected in some way to health, came together for five days in Toronto for what they called the Liberation Health Convergence. The convergence was an opportunity for participants to share and build skills, and for them to learn from each other. The focus was not only participants building their capacities for providing care to individuals, but also deepening their analyses and sharpening their practices for participation in movements for collective liberation. In outreach to potential participants, the organizers aimed to prioritize people who were black, indigenous, and people of color, as well as those who came from outside of Toronto. They also wanted as broad a spectrum as possible of areas of health work represented, and to that end, they ensured that no more than 50% of participants were physicians. Other participants were nurses, paramedics, social workers, harm reduction workers, massage therapists, acupuncturists, and more. Each day of the convergence was split into two sessions. For the most part, the mornings were focused on exploring broad features of social organization that shape experiences of health, illness, and care. Things like colonialism, sexism, capitalism, and racism. And then the afternoon sessions were used to discuss specific issues and struggles of both political and health importance. From police brutality, to reproductive justice, to the health-related struggles of undocumented people, and more. The pedagogy of the event was actively participatory and focused as much as possible on small group learning and on deep conversation. The sessions and conversations over the course of the convergence ranged from the eminently practical and skills-based to the deeply philosophical. The politics at the convergence did not neglect more conventional politicized understandings of health that happen under banners like health equity, access, and social determinants of health, but they also pushed beyond them. There was an active focus on unearthing the role of health systems and professionals, not only in failing to remedy, but in actively propagating colonial, white supremacist, patriarchal, and capitalist domination. And the conversations extended to imaginings of what it would look like to radically transform our understandings and practices around health. Rather than tinkering with existing systems, what new practices, new relations, and new forms of social organization might our movements create that reflect truly liberatory understandings of care and of healing? Though it is still early days, today's participants report that the Convergence was successful in accomplishing one of its other key goals as well. An emphasis on recruiting participants who were already solidly grounded in struggle, the relatively long duration of the Convergence, and a process focused on building substantive connections between participants, has created the beginnings of an ongoing network of care workers with liberationist politics. Baj is a physician who is based in Montreal and practices mainly in remote and indigenous communities in northern Quebec. He also writes and is active in grassroots politics related to struggles around resource extraction, migrant justice, and health politics. 
Bilal is an organizer with a long history of involvement in land defense, water protection, and struggles against resource extraction, and he's currently a medical student studying in southern Ontario. Both Baj and Bilal were on the organizing committee for the Liberation Health Convergence. And Alas is an emergency medical technician, or EMT, based in Southern California. She's a member of Frontline Medics, a collective of medically trained women of color committed to providing communities of resistance with aid and support. She participated in and presented at the Convergence. I speak with Baj, Bilal, and Alas about health, about radical politics, and about the Liberation Health Convergence. My name's B. I'm uh, Kutch through the diaspora through East Africa and was born in uh, Dish with One Spoon Wampum Territory in the Great Lakes Basin, which is where I currently live, organize, and study. I spent the past few years now pursuing more formalized medical education, studying biomedicine. The Liberation Health Convergence is a project to bring together folks who are already doing political organizing work and are working towards liberation in all its forms and how health workers and how movements within health can align themselves with those movements and how and to what extent liberation is tied up with healing and how much healing is tied up with liberation. My work prior to entering healthcare work was primarily around being on the front lines of land defense and water protection in different places in different continents. And that was primarily against resource extraction, commodification, and homogenization of wild spaces. And in these spaces, it became apparent to me that infrastructure was needed if we wanted to move in ways that were outside of the capitalist system. Part of that is being able to take care of each other in terms of healing, particularly in all the ways that people have faced harm throughout their lives. In these spaces, it becomes pretty apparent the amount of trauma and harm that folks have faced, and that's kind of mirrored in the land and the way that we relate to it, for sure. And so in that journey, asking questions about what autonomy looks like and what life outside of the system looks like, it was pretty clear that some of the skills that we were lacking were healing skills. And so learning from different models and different resistance camps on the land, one particular one was at Standing Rock with Indigenous-led healing systems in ways that were pretty decentralized and drew on a broad variety of expertise. And it became apparent how essential skills were in those situations and how decentralized they could become very quickly. And I had the honor of spending some time with the Zapatistas in their model of health autonomy, which trains health promoters in communities to handle a lot of their own primary care. And so I'm very focused on the physical and on infrastructure and how we actually build the skills and capacities that we need to live in a world that's different than the one we do now and how to actually build that while resisting the one we're currently consumed by. For me, this Liberation Health Convergence was definitely about building those connections in those communities that aim to build worlds from the ashes of the one that's maybe going to come down. Communities can do their own healing, right? Communities have always been in charge of their own healing, and that's actually the best care that's possible because communities know themselves, and everyone being involved in healing is really what healing's about to me. The question is, how do we take those skills out of the institutions where they've been hoarded and kept a secret from the rest of the world and kind of held as a power tool in order to break those patterns? Rather than make this kind of healthcare access more equitable or a little bit fairer, how do we actually build up systems from the communities themselves? Hi, my name is Alas. I am currently organizing in Chumash territory on the west coast of Turtle Island, originally from south of the colonial U.S. and Mexico border. I'm trained as an EMT in the States. I came to that work after having spent time working specifically with youth programs on Native reservations in the U.S. and really experiencing the panic of, you know, hearing how long the ambulance wait times were for different reservations. 
And my firsthand experience is also with the racism, the bias and the prejudice that one experiences in healthcare institutions. And that comes from my own experiences growing up undocumented and poor. I had the access to be able to acquire more of this information and more of this training and to be like a buffer between those people who, as healthcare providers, abuse their power and refuse to acknowledge the humanity of people that they see as less than themselves. And now I work with a collective called Frontline Medics, and we have been able to mobilize on some mutual aid fronts, whether it's in political crisis situation, like, you know, all of the asylum seekers who are making their way up from Central America and all of the needs that they have at the border in Tijuana and Mexico as well as providing community support after all of the wildfires that were ravaging California a couple years ago. We've gone from just trying to have these skills for ourselves in order to be able to better respond in more towards trying to decentralize those skills and understanding that, you know, it doesn't take eight years of schooling to be able to be effective in a disaster situation or to be able to render aid effectively. So we also do medic trainings, community medic trainings. So that's a little bit of my work. And I was asked to present at the Convergence. I'm Baj. I'm a late 20th century settler in Grijade or Montreal, and I work in USG as a family physician in James Bay Cree Territory of Northern Quebec. For me, the convergence, I came much more as a clinician and a clinician who felt very, very isolated. I think one of the struggles that I had from the beginning of my training in biomedicine was how you make the clinical political or how do you make clinical work political work? And I think most practitioners over time that I knew of and mentors I spoke to really sort of divided the two and said, from nine to five or whichever hours you're working, that's when you do clinical work. And then it's the rest of your time that you do the political work. But it felt very, very unsatisfying, particularly because where I work, I saw the political impact of the healthcare system, which is part of a colonial enterprise in much of what is called Canada. And I felt that if I was participating in the system, I was inevitably being political. I wasn't being neutral. And so how did I navigate that? And how do I manage that impact or respond to that impact or work with people within the system to undo some of that history of harm? So I came to the convergence out of the desire to explore that tension and also, very frankly, to sort of break the isolation. I work in small communities in the North and I really enjoy my colleagues, but these conversations are not conversations I can often have with them. The convergence to me was born out of a desire to make those connections, to have a place to have the conversations, both on how we manage being within the system as it is now, but also to have that vision and dream of what is possible. Tell me about the organizing process and about the convergence itself. We were, in the end, an organizing crew of nine people who some of us, like I'd never met B until the day of. It was all done over the internet. We were scattered. Some of us really didn't know each other. We all had different needs and priorities and visions for it. And so finding something that worked for most of us was a process. 
I know what was really important for me was that it actually be a place where community building could happen and this sort of network of people that could support each other in this work and support each other thinking through this work, even beyond just the convergence itself, that was probably the prime driver for me. And so things like keeping it fairly small was important to me, making sure it was a few days, because I think the conversations you can have on day one or two of an event with people you don't really know are very different from the conversations you can have on day three, four, and five, when there's more trust, when people have got to know each other a little bit better, and the importance of more of an active pedagogy, that there be a learning arc to it, and that people were able to actively participate in that learning arc. Those are conversations that were really important to me as we went through the organizing process and as we worked through the shape of what it might look like. The Convergence was held in Toronto this past May of 2019 and was five days long. The idea was to bring together folks who are working in health predominantly or who are kind of working around health to deepen political analysis and build liberatory practice. What was intended was to have people who are not starting at a one-on-one level, but rather folks who are already organizing, people who are already engaged in movement struggle, to go deeper into these topics and build practicalities and connections moving forward. And so the five days was quite intentional, even though it seems long. The hope was to bring people together for this time to kind of step outside of their lives in order to build that commitment, which I think created quite a different atmosphere. It wasn't like a conference per se, where people can just kind of come in and out and attend sessions here and there, but rather there was an arc to it. And each day was segmented into half days for the most part with a session going on in the morning and one in the afternoon. And the intention was to have the more small group sessions where folks can interact rather than like didactic talking at people. And the hope was to draw on a wide variety of topics depending on where each of us came from. And I think that reflects the organizing group. Though it was still predominantly MDs or folks who were studying Western biomedicine, we also had a midwife, a former RN and health researcher who were part of the collective. We also made sure that we prioritized certain folks to be there. So one of them was to limit the amount of MDs who were at the convergence as less than half. We wanted to prioritize Black, Indigenous, and people of color, which was more than half of the convergence. We also wanted to prioritize folks who are outside of Toronto. And also working with folks from all different health disciplines. There were herbalists there, there were acupuncturists, massage therapists, harm reduction workers, nurses, social workers, physicians, and frontline medics. So there's quite a wide range of people and voices that were involved. It's really important to also mention that there was a lot that weren't there, and that can also be improved on for sure, but the intention was to have a wide variety of voices. And I think keeping it small was also important in order to make it so that people can actually connect without feeling super intimidated over a few days, and that we asked people to stay for the whole time if they could, and that allowed a lot of barriers and things to be broken down over the days and allowed things to get a lot deeper than they might have if it was a shorter time. So from those five days of intense conversations about important issues, what stands out for you? What are the key learnings that you're taking away from the convergence? For me personally, I think one of the major things that I took was it was just so encouraging to hear from people who had been in the professional sphere for years that they were still committed to this work. And going through formal education, the politics of it, the ways that you have to assimilate, the ways that you have to whitewash yourself and fit in and not ask like the really hard questions as to, you know, why the curriculum isn't representative of trans folks, as to why in a hospital there's not a reporting system for injuries caused by police brutality. 
all of these difficult questions that are just shushed or ignored or can put you in a spotlight that jeopardizes your career and your work and your ability to access those spaces. So for me, it was just really encouraging to hear all of these ideas being amplified by folks who have committed to make this their life's work. For me, I think there were many, many conversations that were very important. Certainly the conversations around health autonomy, like questions like, do we even need medical school? Like, is medical school a thing we actually want to have in the world we're building in the future? You know, why is it impossible now for communities to take care of themselves? It's not impossible, but why is it so difficult? Do we really want people to have access to a system that we actually don't really believe in and we think does a lot of violence and harm? So those tensions of like expanding access to a health system while at the same time wanting to sort of tear it down and build up something new, those conversations were really engaging and important for me. I think for me, the most important part of it wasn't so much the substance of it, but just that the space was there and that the group came together, the convergence came together and actually made that space for people able to have that conversation. That to me was probably the most encouraging thing that, you know, people could care for each other and take care of each other in the learning. I think that's often the biggest and most special part of these things is bringing folks from all over the place together. And there was a lot of emotion, there was a lot of intensity, there's a lot of grief that goes on, especially with this kind of work. And, you know, that loneliness and that isolation and difficulties working within or alongside or in contrary to the system, you know, are exhausting. We forget sometimes to talk about our own healing, which is also really important. And so I think just holding space for each other and providing that care to one another was really important. And so we had some talks that were very practical, some that were a little bit more, you know, theoretical and some that were more report backs. And I think when you get to a certain layer of depth in the conversation, there was less interest in talking about practicalities. And some of the conversations just turned to how to be in the world, you know, and how to carry oneself and how to express oneself with joy and with feeling and with being there in the moment throughout all the grief and hardships that are faced by our communities and that we often have to witness. Those are some of the strongest points that I've taken out is just knowing and learning from folks who've been doing this for a long time and have a lot of wisdoms to share about how to carry oneself in organizing work, whether that's in the healthcare system or not. And talking about those broader questions of what are we really doing, you know, like a point that really stuck to me is like we were talking about healthcare access and access for undocumented folks or folks without insurance. And it was like, okay, so what are we saying? Are we saying that a doctor's visit or access to a nurse practitioner, a nurse or a doctor is care? Like, is that healthcare? a 20-minute consult or access to labs and some imaging, is that actually what healthcare means? And we have to ask ourselves the question, what are we actually going for and what are we asking for? And I think there was a really interesting point at some point brought up around reforms, which I think a lot of us are wondering is how far do we entrench systems and how much work do we put in to actually change systems that are you know, actively violent and oppressing folks, which is really important work. And how much effort do we put to building up new systems or you know, our own ways of doing things? One point that I think is stuck with myself and other folks who I've talked to is this idea of reformist and non-reformist reforms. So ones that actually further entrench the system and increase its validity and strength, or ones that are minimizing the harm so that people have the space to heal and be present in order to work towards liberation. Those are some of the conversations that stuck out to me. That reminds me of one of the conversations we had around building decolonial health practice. One of the presenters was giving some of the history about the ways that 
the governments in Canada, in the States, wherever these imperialist governments are, that they enact famine on indigenous people in order to hold power over them, right? And it seems like it's just the same thing over and over again. It's taking away these life-saving and health-giving resources at the whim of whatever white supremacist is in office at the time. And there was one of the presenters that said, you know, hungry people are easier to subdue. And that just really resonated with me on a tangible material level, but also on a spiritual level in the sense of, you know, all the land, all of the institutions that people are working on in Turtle Island are on stolen land. They're cultural sites, they're sacred sites in a lot of instances and in the ways that healthcare is also framed in this very Western lens and through these very Eurocentric standards where folks don't get their indigenous, their traditional care. They don't get their access to their traditional medicines, to their traditional foods, which are, you know, the basis of health and connection to the land. So there is just this whole continuation of starving people out in any way that is possible. And so it was really incredible to be around Black folks and Indigenous folks and people from different diasporas who had brought their traditions along with them, right, instead of just abandoning them, like, is so encouraged when you're going through these different worlds. So as you move forward from the convergence, what new practical things and new possibilities now feel like they can be part of your respective practices as health workers with liberationist politics? One of the things that I'm really excited about is reimagining the economies of care. And I think this is something that Harsha Walia was talking about. She was just relating stories about some of the indigenous communities, particularly some of the folks who care for what are called like the freedom babies, which are these native youth that don't have papers from the Canadian government. They have their traditional birth paperwork and that's all that they have. So they get care from different healthcare providers, from dentists, from whoever it might be. And instead of taking insurance, they're taking deer hides and moose meat and whatever it is that is in season and plentiful that can be traded and bartered for. I think that that's like a really viable option for that kind of exchange to be able to equitably compensate somebody for their time with something that's, you know, of real value and not just have it go through the insurance company, go through the provider, get money in your bank account. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to finding more options and offering. For me, what was really important was to have that sense of people I could call if I run into a situation in my clinical work. And I already feel like I've run into situations at work where I'm like, oh, I have people now who I can run these ideas by about what's the most ethical way to approach these very individual clinical one-on-one situations, but which to me have political implications. Like the example I often talk about is when I'm required by law to call Children's Aid Society or Youth Protection Services, but ethically and politically, I think it's the wrong thing to do because it might facilitate the removal of another Indigenous child from their family. I now feel like there's a network of people who I can call, talk through the situation, and who would back me up. That sort of sense of community, which I was really, really hungry for and I really lacked before, I think I now have, and I feel like there's people I can rely on or You know, where do I report injuries inflicted by the police on an Indigenous person or a Black person? There's not a really great system to do that, but I think it's important information that we should collectively know. I now feel like there's a community of people who are able to think through that. 
there are other ideas. We all work in different sorts of spaces and places and thinking about, you know, conversations I've had with people who have done humanitarian work abroad. What does this mean for the politics of that work? What does it mean to work within the formal medical education system if we're actually trying to dismantle it? What do we do in the meantime? So there was a lot of different conversations that emerged. What it looks like two or three years from now, the big question is, is this something that should happen then? How often should a convergence like this happen? Those are open questions. And I think that would depend on what the community that's come together feels the need to do. I think it, it might happen again. That remains to be seen. But I do think that there are pockets of work that are going to be pushed forward. I think on a personal level, definitely there's been a lot more like strength moving forward within institutions as a learner right now. Being able to navigate those worlds with a little bit more, it feels like backing behind me. On a structural level, it makes me a little bit more, let's say, fluid in my approach. I think I was a little bit more hesitant about engaging in institutional reforms, and perhaps I'm a little bit softer on that now and can see a bit better which ones are valuable and which ones aren't. For me, coming out of it is mostly the interpersonal connections, right? Like community and friendships. I think that was huge to meet like-minded people and meet people who are doing that work in very different ways. The diversity of tactics is super important and being like, okay, this isn't just one way of doing things, but how do I know who's working within these different spheres so I can draw on that expertise and connect in relation to that? I have a lot of visions for projects forward. One of them is like a long-term dream. We talk about like not having medical or nursing or whatever schools because they're hella oppressive and there's a lot of barriers to them. And I just don't think people should go through hell to get access to care training. And there are, you know, definitely intentional institutional barriers for Black, Indigenous, and folks of color from accessing that kind of learning. And so I think an autonomous healing school or like ways of building that practice and looking at how that can be done in decentralized ways, I think building on the work of, you know, that decentralized medical training from frontline medics and Toronto street medics and that kind of stuff. But also like, how do we respond to acute situations? How do we respond to long-term situations? How do we build capacity for care? How do we follow, you know, the Zapatistas in their model for care? And so many others that have come before us and learning from those experiences. And to like really not limit ourselves in that vision and those dreams. One of the things that I found quite interesting about the experience was the amount of time we spent talking about relational work and the importance of caring for each other. It really struck me how uncomfortable I was with that work, even though in principle I know it's important, but how we are often in spaces where talking about that work of, you know, how we are with each other, how we take care of each other while we're doing this work. It's not something that, even though I like to do that work and I really believe in it and invest in it, I don't always have the language and I feel uncomfortable talking about it in situations where, you know, there's like a lot of hard, real, tangible work to be doing. To talk about how we are with each other was actually a sort of integral part of it. And when I think about the future, I think about, you know, not just in health, but in all sorts of other organizing and activist work and political work that happens, how much space we make for that work and how much space we make for figuring out how we want to be with each other and sort of reflect the world we want to build in the work we're doing right now. And I think we maybe walked a little way along that road during the convergence. And it did leave me with a question. It's like, oh, well, if you managed to do that for a little time in a little space here, where are the other spaces where that's happening? And how can we make sure that that work is happening? You have been listening to my interview with Alas Mata, Baj Mukhopadhyay, and Bilal Mamdani 
about the Liberation Health Convergence. To learn more about it, search for Liberation Health Convergence on Twitter. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.